So you want to be a filmmaker, right? Uh, if you're listening to this show, chances are pretty high that you either want to be a filmmaker or photographer or some other job in the creative world. Um, but today, let's talk about filmmaking. Let's get back to what the roots of this show are, and that's uh, how to survive as a filmmaker. And uh, part of that survival, especially if you're thinking about being a filmmaker, part of that survival need, that survival urge that we all have is creating a plan. And uh, there should be a plan, correct? Like there should be a set way of doing things. If you follow A plus B, you'll get to C, correct? Well, filmmaking, the business is not like that. It's, it's, it's one of the stranger fields out there because there is no formula to becoming a filmmaker. There, um, back in the days of Spielberg, back in the uh, 70s and 80s, um, uh, pre, pre-80s actually, 70s, uh, some directors would go to film school. So you go to USC, you're part of a small graduating class at USC, and you get hopefully get jobs outside of USC. I'm not, I mean, those are the stories that we hear, but I doubt it actually worked like that. Um, because being lucky enough to become a filmmaker, being lucky enough to be a paid director, being super lucky enough to direct um, a large budget movie, it's like winning the lottery. I mean, think about it. How many hundreds and thousands of people want to be filmmakers every year? How many... Uh, hundreds and thousands of folks out there that are, are your peers from your year that want to be filmmakers. Uh, and then how many jobs actually exist? How many opportunities are out there? Now, granted, we are living in a time period right now where the streaming services uh, have created such a bigger outlet. So it's actually pretty awesome to be getting into this business right now because there are so many uh, outlets out there that need content. They need content from us. And so they're looking for people. And it seems, when you look at it from the outside, it seems like a lot of the bigger studios these days are actually hunting for younger directors, you know? So, like, uh, you look at uh, the the career of, like, Michael Doherty, who did uh, the new Godzilla movie. Granted, he's been around for a long time. He's a writer. He did Trick or Treat. Um, but uh, comparatively, he's a younger director. And you look at uh, the guy who directed Kong Skull Island, and you look even at... Um, the director of the first movie, Gareth Edwards. These guys are younger directors that had like one or two features, like independent features under their belt, and then they got offered a big position like that. Now, that being said, there's the story that Gareth was like out in Hollywood taking meetings for like eight years before the Godzilla thing came his way. And he did that fantastic uh, independent film Monsters before that. So... It took him quite some time to get to that point. And I'm off on a little bit of a tangent here, but my today's episode is really about the lack of formula that there is to get into this industry. You know, just because you go to film school, just because you sign that paperwork and you've borrowed all that money from Uncle Sam does not mean you're going to get a job. It does not mean that you're going to be a director. It does not mean that you're going to get the position on a crew these days. Uh, and just because you read another director's book or you took another director's advice or you study another director's career at how he actually or she actually got to where they are, it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the same way for you. 
chances are probably high that it's not going to be the same way. Because it feels like anybody that I talk to in this business that somehow makes it, it's by the seat of their pants. And I think the trick here is to just understand that and be ready for that. Be ready for how crazy and chaotic this thing's going to be. Be ready uh, and aware of opportunity and when opportunity strikes and when to take advantage of that opportunity and just continue to work out, work out your directing skills, work out um, all of those, those talents, spend time on crews, learn from crews, make those relationships because what will happen is, is your opportunity will come a knocking as they say, and you'll have to jump in. It's, it's, it's really difficult, right? It's like, it's like training to be a weightlifter, training, 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 training. Uh, at the off strange chance that you scratch a lottery ticket, they say, hey, guess what? You can start to lift weights today <laughs> professionally. Um, so it's a crazy, it's a crazy business to be in. Uh, and I bring this up because I all the time I get notes on Instagram from you guys saying like, uh, how did you make it? What do you suggest? How do you think I should get my script in front of people? Uh, how do I get my, my work out there? How do I get hired? Um, and I always answer it the same way, like, I don't know. I don't know how you're going to get hired. I know the steps that I kind of figured out to get interest in my work, but I'm still struggling. I'm still a struggling director like the rest of you. And I'm still trying to put myself in that position. Like, I've literally had to change my plan multiple times. Like, we're in the process now. If you've been listening to the show, you know I'm in the process of moving from my hometown, Boston, to Los Angeles. And this is something, if you talked to me two years ago, I would have never said I would do. Um, but I have to be flexible. You have to be flexible. Uh, you have to understand that just because you create a plan in your mind for this business uh, doesn't mean it's going to work. And it took me a little while to assess that and figure out, hey, this isn't working. So now it's a thing to switch up my plan and switch up my lifestyle. Thank God I keep my overhead down. Thank God the only people that I really have to worry about are myself and my girlfriend, Gina. Um, so we can do that. But that's not the way for everybody. So if you haven't guessed it so far, you're listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I'm your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? What's new? What's happening? Uh, thank you, everybody who has been following us on Instagram, if you've been following my personal account at MyPetchy, you have noticed that in preparation for our move to California, I have been offloading my warehouse full of props, my warehouse full of comic books and resource material, just because I have to strip my life down to a few boxes in order to make this trip work. Uh, we are still doing that mini episode series on the trip to Los Angeles. I just released one last two weeks ago, um, and there will be more coming. Because uh, I'm about to start. I'm about to start the whole adventure. I go out to California in early August for a week to start house hunting. And then I fly back here to Boston. And then we pack up our stuff and we drive cross country for nine days. So hopefully I will be able to record that process for you guys. So you guys can see all the little steps involved. And how insane it is to change your life. <laughs> Um, so thank you all that. And thank you for everybody who's been following the Instagram accounts because I have been selling props. I've been uh, putting all this stuff up, selling DVDs, um, giving people access to my movie 12 Cam. And all the money has gone towards this podcast, gone towards 
us trying to make our way across country and it's appreciated and I couldn't do it without you guys. It's really great to see the hard work that we put into the Instagram accounts sort of coming to fruition and really having a connection to you guys. I enjoy the shit out of that. And I genuinely love to talk to everybody. So please reach out to me at Mike Petchy on Instagram, or you can reach out on our podcast, official podcast Instagram page. That's in love with the process, P-O-D. There you'll see me posting all sorts of really cool behind the scenes stuff. Um, and it's a great place to give feedback on the show. It's a great place to come up with ideas on the show. And honestly, that's how today's episode happened. Um, I was talking to a great filmmaker who had reached out I don't know if it was on my personal, I think it was on the podcast one. Either way, we were reaching out, we were talking. I think he was interested in picking up some of my props. Um, he may have even bought something. I had to look at the records. I'm such a piece of shit, I can't remember. Um, but then we started talking about movies and stuff, and uh, I, I looked over at his stuff, and I was like, oh, shit, you're doing some really cool stuff. And he's like, I'd love to be on the uh, podcast. And I'm like, why the fuck not? See how simple that is? So if you talk to me, on the Instagram accounts or on my personal accounts, um, you could potentially end up on the show. You know what I mean? Which is super cool. And it helps me out because I'm always looking for great new guests, good new conversations, great new contacts. And today is no exception. On today's show, we are joined by director Alejandro Montoya Marin. Uh, he is an amazing filmmaker. Uh, independent filmmaker that has been doing uh, fantastic short films, uh, music videos and commercials for years. Um, I know, I think he's working out of uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico is where uh, his home base is. Um, and he is known for uh, shooting a feature version of one of his short films, Monday, uh, on the Robert Rodriguez El Rey Network show, Rebel Without a Crew. Um, he adapted his short film, into this feature feature film feature feature length film rather, Jesus might get it together. And uh, it uh, he shot that in like 14 days. It's ridiculous. His story on how he shot that thing is insane. It's really inspiring. Um, and I'm a huge Robert Rodriguez fan myself. Uh, I read his book Rebel Without a Crew when I was in film school. That book was my film school. Uh, if you haven't read that book yet, I'll put a link in our bio. Uh, for you to pick it up, pick it up through Amazon using our Amazon link, so we can make some loot on the show. Um, so, without further ado, let's get into a great conversation with Alejandro. So you know the deal: find those noise-canceling headphones, find a nice, quiet spot to hang out, so that no one will bother you, um, and sit back, relax, and enjoy the brand new episode of In Love with the Process. Alejandro, thank you for being on the show, my friend. Ah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Big fan. Yeah, man. It's uh, it was super cool. I, I I was saying in the intro of the show that I am so excited with how Instagram has been working for the business and the industry and for networking. And this is a prime example of that. Like, you reached out to me through Instagram, and I got to check out your work. It's really great stuff, dude. 
Thank you. No, likewise, man. I, I think I, right before we started editing, I'm like, hey, so uh, I want to buy one of your uh, Grindhouse short films DVDs because that looks badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to get you some shit, man. We'll do the, we'll do that after the show. I've been offloading as much crap as I possibly can here because I'm actually doing the move because I'm East Coast. I'm in Boston. Yeah. And oh, then, shit, okay. And I'm doing the move to L.A. So at, in the end of uh, August, I'll be driving cross country. So Oh, no way. Well, uh, hey, we're going to have to get together, get some drinks, and maybe collab. Hell yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. Sounds like a really cool idea. Yeah, right? Um, all right. Well, let me do some homework here for the show, for the listeners who don't know who you are, man. Yeah. Um, let's, t- let's talk a little bit about your work. So how long have you been directing now? I graduated from Vancouver Film School in Canada about 10 years ago. And then immediately started just kind of developing indie stuff. You know, I, I did a web series called Film Students. I did music videos. Uh, we were able to do music videos for a band uh, called Chiquita Violenta from Mexico, Sleigh Bells from Brooklyn. Cool. Uh, then uh, from there, I just started doing like independent short films because since English is my second language, I've, I've I try to you know, in every project kind of attack the script from a different standpoint. So it, it improves my English or, you know, like I can cater to a specific audience in English. So I've been trying to do different genres. So I've been doing uh, short films and now made the switch to uh, features. Hell yeah. See, you're a much better dude than I am because <laughs> I did my short film in a language that I don't speak. And by no means do I understand Russian anymore after I did the movie. Yeah, so you're much better than I Yeah, yeah, 12KM. Yeah, that one was completely done in Russian. And uh, you would think I would have picked some stuff up, but I didn't. I didn't. I did the whole movie. Well, I mean, and, if, uh, if that's the only time you've practiced Russian, that's pretty tough for you to like just how long is your short film? Uh, so it's like 30 minutes. And so it's 30 minutes long. How many shoot dates did you have? What's that? How many shoot dates did you have? Uh, was it seven total, I think, with all my inserts and weird stuff that we did? Uh, it was like seven days. Total. I mean, yeah. seven days to learn a language. It's pretty tough, man. Don't be too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I just chalk it up to being, a, you know, a pretty dumb American kid that uh, barely can speak his own language, let alone learn another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did a Russian film. That's pretty admirable. Thank you, man. Um, so back on your stuff here. So I checked out your shorts. You have like high quality shorts, dude. Like this is like really beautiful looking stuff that have been in a plethora of film festivals. So you've been, how long have you been directing shorts now? I think, well, I did my, my first short film was my thesis in, in film school. Then I came back uh, when I went to Albuquerque, I did another one that I paused for a bit. And then I've done, um, I want to say five, maybe six. Mm-hmm. And then we did the, uh, we adapted the Monday short film into the feature we did with El Rey Network and uh, now the second feature film. So I think five or six. Hell yeah. And I, we'll get more into Monday as we continue here. But let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, so how, how many years have you been directing at this point? Like how long have you been in the business? I mean... Seriously, seriously, I want to say five or six that I actually just like dove in and be like, all right, no turning back. Let's go. Jesus, dude. Before that, it was still like, you know, I was in in another type of relationship. It was, you know, I was still very immature, even though I'm almost 37 or 38. I don't even know how fucking old I am. 
<laughs> you're right. You're you're right behind me, brother. I'm 41 this year. So 41. We're, we're, Damn. No, yeah, man. Yeah. We we look we we look good for our ages. Let me just. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yes. self-prop for us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with you completely, man. Um, so fucking A, dude. So you've been cranking out shorts. Like, what are you doing? Like one a year or something like that? It's pretty nuts, man. Yeah, I'm trying to do at least a project a year. Right now we're editing another feature and I'm already writing the next one, which I'm trying to shoot in February of next year just because, I don't know, man, I, in, my, in my experience, and I'm sure that you, you probably go through some stuff like that where it's, if you stand still, you're just, you're, you know, you, you just start like getting rusty and you start, yeah, dude, you know, like totally. you just start getting comfortable. So I, I don't, I, I try not to allow myself to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's great. That's awesome practice, man. And then, so you're doing, um, so you started, what do you have your own little business or whatever out in Albuquerque? And this is where you've been working out of primarily. No, I, I, I'm a production manager for a uh, Spanish TV station called Telemundo. Oh, no shit. I had yeah, no idea. So on my, on my hours off, I, I usually write on weekends. I write and I try to shoot, uh, I take my vacation days or, you know, like leave of absences to shoot projects. So you have a full-time job and you're doing the, the shorts at the same time. Yes, sir. Dude, props. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's really good drive, man. That's awesome drive to be doing all that stuff. Um, and then uh, let's talk a bit about the uh, El Rey Network thing. So your short Monday was then, uh, how, how did that work? How did you end up hooking up with uh, Rodriguez and how did you get into that whole thing? Well, they, they basically did, uh, it was based on his book, uh, Rebel Without a Crew, which is, you know, obviously a Bible for independent filmmakers. Amazing book. It's a yep. great book. Um, and it was uh, it was basically a contest to submit work, and the winners get to do what he did with El Mariachi back in 1992, which is shoot a feature film with seven grand, no crew in 14 days. Um, so I, it's it's a okay. So I was in Europe at that time. I submitted and everything, and it was you know it was a process. It's not like oh you got in, you have to, well you or you had to. Submit uh, proof of concepts of work. Uh, you mm -hmm. had to do several like psychological exams and like <laughs> a bunch. You know they don't want you like losing your shit and killing people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go nuts. <laughs> so um, I remember telling them like, "Hey, so this is taking a little longer than I thought. I have my first like big paying gig was to shoot a couple of commercials in Europe for a soccer uh, hat company." cool and I, I was like super excited because i mean jesus i got to go to europe on someone else's dime to shoot like beautiful scenery and like actors playing soccer so i thought that was dope dude that's fantastic yeah that's a fantastic gig oh my god <laughs> it was amazing and then and i told him like hey so you know i'm booked this week in europe and blah 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 They're like oh no yeah you're gonna be fine so I go. We we had to go to uh we had to go to paris and then we went to naples and at naples um, I, I was asleep and I got an email and I'm like, uh, you know, it's like 3am and I got the email saying like, Hey, congratulations. You're one of the top seven to, to participate on rebel without a crew. So I called them like, Hey, they, oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And they're like, congratulations. Now we just need your script. I'm like, sure. I'm like, okay, cool. I, I, I mean, I get back to the U S and like on Monday, they're like, no, we need the script by Monday. 
Like, oh, oh you can't give me a couple of days. Just need to fine touch a couple of things. I'm in Europe right now. They're like, no, if, if we don't get it by Monday, uh, you might be disqualified. So I was writing 6 a.m. to 1 p.m., going to shoot the commercials, coming back and write, sleep for three hours for the the next three days, and then emailed it on the plane. Oh, my God. And man. I was just like, Talk- it. I hope they like it. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about taking an already, you know, potentially stressful situation where you're in Europe, you're shooting in Europe, you're traveling around, you're trying to figure out all those details, and then throw that on top of it. You must have been losing your shit, dude. Oh, man. It was, it was, I remember my, my DP, because it was just my DP and I, like, it wasn't like a huge, like, I was like AC, director, producer. And then he was like his his own AC, like focus, DP, etc. And we would get back and I would just like go to the living room and start typing. And he's just like, I'm going to go get you some Red Bulls, dude. <laughs> no, great guy, Ariel Riggs. He's the one who shot the short film and several of the short films. Yeah, no. I mean, the, I thought the short film looked fantastic, by the way. I saw the trailer for it. I thought the, the look of that was really cool. Thank you. I want to get into that too. But let's just sort of walk through... What happened with this? So you were top seven finalist. You turned in the script, and then what was the next step with those guys? Uh, the next step was basically just um, they they started asking me about equipment and like what I would do in a kind of like situation about you know maximizing the small amount of equipment and and then from there they you know hey you're in the top five and yeah then they flew me to Austin and we were able to to do the show and. It was definitely one of the most stressful things. I will never do that. I would never do that again. But oh, how I come? Regret, oh, it was just too stressful, man. Like, um, <laughs> I didn't, uh, you know, we had to cast in two hours. We had to, uh, I did not storyboard. I know the other filmmakers did, but I'm like, it's that's going to change so much because we only had like one hour of, uh, to actually go see locations we had to pick locations from a binder that took 15 minutes. Oh, my God. So if anyone was like, oh, I've got this planned, it's bullshit. They're just trying yeah. to sound like they're in a tour. I, By the way I was starting to see things, if I'm like, okay, if I really start getting analytical and picky, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my shit. So what I did was just like, I'm just going to go with the flow. And this is the only project that I've never storyboarded. So I just went in there, look at the location. Cool, we're shooting this, this, and this. It's crazy. And yeah. you guys had, you, you had what, 14 days to shoot the whole feature? 14 nine-hour days. Good Lord. <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> good, yeah. good, good Lord. Dude. It was tough, man. But That's crazy. I got to meet one of my idols, so it's, you know. Oh, yeah. So you got to hang out with uh, Rodriguez. How is he in real life? Is he, is he awesome? He's great, man. Like, you know, you know, Kevin Smith has that, like, don't meet your, your your the people you admire because of the whole Bruce Willis and Prince thing. But yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with the other way around, man. Meet the people you admire. If you throw out a good vibe and you're, you know, you're, you're prudent. I mean, the man's busy. He's shooting two movies right now. He was getting done with Alita Battle Angel. Like the man's busy. So if you yeah. overbear someone that's like in that capacity, I mean, come on. He was making a movie with James Cameron. Yeah. Like, you know, the stress levels are high, then yeah, the, they might be a little rude or standoffish, but no, the guy was incredibly nice, 
super supportive. I st- I'm still in contact with him. He's always very nice, and it's just it makes me and inspiring. Like the man, the man. I'm 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 not kidding, man. The man wakes up, he works out, he cooks, he loves to cook, and then he loves yep. to film. He has no That's vices. So cool. The man is laser focused. I, and I'm not saying it because, like, not only do I admire him, I saw that. It's you crazy. know, like he's working at 11 p.m. when we were shooting. He's in the studio. <laughs> now that's awesome. I mean, that's what it seems like he's like from the outside. So it's really cool to hear that. And I really admire the way that he's designed his whole studio. The way he's done the business. The way he wants to do it. He works out of his out of Austin. You know, and he, he actually has actors come down to him, which oh, yeah. is like an amazing thing, dude. It's amazing. Super fortunate to have that situation and really smart. Not to mention then deciding like, hey, I'm going to run a TV network. Hey, I'm going to start El Rey Network. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the fuck? That was like out of left field completely. Yeah. And, I, and, you know? and, and the reason he started El Rey Network is because, you know, like when I was, I saw Mariachi when I was, what, 11, 10, something like mm-hmm. that. And I... You know, I I've supported the Oscars always. From 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 Silence of the Lambs was the first time. I mean, obviously nowadays it's been whatever. But mm-hmm. there was no Hispanic filmmaker that was doing grungy action in your face, do it yourself movies. So I identified with the man immediately. Not to mention, he, you know, he he he's from a, uh, I think San Antonio, and I'm from Laredo, Texas. So it's like a two hour difference, and I'm like, whoa. There's people mm-hmm. like me doing that. So I follow I've I have followed his Spike Lee's Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith's career, like Bigelow, like when I saw what Near Dark, like I was like, man, this is the shit. Like the, the revamp of the nineties. And he was one that spoke to me because like I could identify with him. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And it, it dude, being a kid from Boston, I could identify with him too. Just his Badass. his his urge and his need to create on his own and his ingenuity to do so. Like if you read that book, like those of you listening at home, if you read rebel without, um, rebel without a crew is the book. If you read that, then it's, you'll see, it's fucking amazing to to hear his story about how he was like checking himself in to have like uh, medical tests done on him to be able to finance it initially. And, uh, running around and shooting it on film and then trying to cut things. It was insane. It was a really great book to hear. It's a really good read yeah. to hear if you're a young filmmaker because he just proves that you can, if you're smart and you have the uh, the urge to learn and the ability to sort of sit down and figure things out, you can do it all. And I took that on completely after film school because I, I went to film school in New York for, I did a short run at New York Film Academy mm-hmm. um, and I learned taught myself how to do everything, edit, cut, shoot, the whole fucking process. And thankfully I did because that was the only way I was able to basically not have a full-time job in the past 18 years, be a freelance director and and for years be a freelance cinematographer and all that stuff. So uh, thankfully his book was my film school, more than the film school was my film school. Mm -hmm. Um, And I respect the shit out of him, dude. And even now, like the fact that, it was such a weird thing to see that he was doing Alita. It was like, holy shit, he's directing a James Cameron movie 
And it's totally not a Rodriguez film. It's his movie. And it feels, it doesn't feel like a Rodriguez film. It feels like something new. It was like such a wonderful thing and a refreshing thing to see from him. Yeah, no. And Um, the man that continues to like try new ventures because I totally agree with you. I really like the leader. And he's trying to do things he's never done. Like that's why when he did El Rey Network, it's, it's because he wants to do content and, and give people from different backgrounds an opportunity to, you know, to showcase their work. Like I, I know that I've been there and they're like, Oh, well this person, you know, let's, let's, let's showcase this because, you know, he's doing something different. Like that's, I've been there. That's so cool, man. And so, all right. So then your top five, you go in. So did they make the pieces for all the top five people or did they just narrow it down to one? No, they, uh, they basically follow you with cameras like a reality show called Rebel Without a Crew, and they followed you doing Got the it. movie. Got as, it. Yeah, Got it. So, so they follow you as you're doing all the casting and the prep, which it should be available on iTunes very soon along with the movies. Uh, and, cool. And yeah, I, it's basically they have four, five groups following five filmmakers doing their first feature film. Ah, uh, so it's kind of like it's kind of like what Project Greenlight was years and yeah, years ago. Exactly. Only, yeah, yeah. only, um, it's five filmmakers, and and they're like, they don't give you two million dollars; <laughs> they give you seven grand. <laughs> you know, yeah. in a crew, they don't give you a fucking crew. <laughs> so that's that was the other thing that I wanted to ask you because. Um, I watched you. You sent me a link to it. I thought it was really great. Um, Thank and you. To understanding what you did in that time period, it's like holy shit, this is really fantastic. Um, and then I saw the trailer for the short, and I was like, wow! Like the the actual quality, the visual quality on the short was was fantastic and surprising to me because then uh, I had just the the first piece I had seen was this piece that you had done on that network and understanding the restrictions. I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. But then I saw the visuals on the short and I was like, holy shit! How what like how many days did you take to shoot the short? Was it a completely different scenario for you than doing the feature? Well, the short the short film Monday uh, that's like ten minutes. Yeah, I did that in four days or three days. I don't remember, but I had a crew. In the feature yeah. film that's sixty minutes, I. I didn't have a crew. We had nine hour days and it was, like I said, it was all improv. Like I didn't like the short film has a couple of, like it has a one shot with like 38 focus pools from like a wide to a three <laughs> shot to extreme close up. Like we wanted to, you know, like really let's make an action movie a little bit more stylish or indie at least. And in the feature film, I tried to do, I tried to get coverage, but I mean, there's only a couple of times where I can be like, all right, let's do some blocking here because I want to show people that I can do blocking because there's no time. There's no reshoots. There's no nothing. If you don't finish the movie, you didn't finish your movie. And my, the way I approached this was just, look, just make something that's concise that will make sense. Yep. No, it totally does. It's fantastic. And dude, like I said, understanding those restrictions, it's really great. Um, the closest thing I've ever done to something like that is I years ago, I did a forty-eight hour film project. Oh yeah, and I did, and that that was like that was a fucking short, and that was where you pull ideas out of a hat, you pull props out of a hat, and you literally have to write it, shoot it, edit it, put the whole thing, cast it, location scout it in forty-eight hours, and I cannot imagine going through what that was for fourteen days. <laughs> <laughs> no man, it's it's basically a forty-eight for fourteen days. So you you start losing your shit around day thirteen. 
and you're on t- and you're being filmed for television, oh, right? Yeah. So Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You're bringing me fucking flashbacks right now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, power to you, man. And it came out great. Thank and you. So that that's fantastic. So you do it, you meet Rodriguez, you go through all that stuff. Now, was that the first big film thing for you? Like I noticed that a lot of your shorts got into a bunch of festivals. Like like did I notice that somewhere in Khan, like a bunch of different spots? Like, what do you feel like was your first big moment as a director that you you felt like the wheel started to turn for you? It's that's a you know it's a great question because one is like more personal than the other. Like, um, my dad did not support me doing film. You know, I come from a very traditional. I'm first first generation American, and. Mm-hmm. And everyone is an accountant or an engineer. And then I'm like, hey, I want to do film. And everyone's like, Jesus Christ, of course. <laughs> you know? So, uh-huh. I, yeah, my dad kind of uh, closed the doors to me and my family so I wouldn't see them because he was just embarrassed, you know? Um, I oh, studied marketing. And to me, I mean, there's just – there's so many. Like I was talking to someone right now uh, yesterday and I was like, me as a director – or as a storyteller, I have to experience love and hate and, and, and heartbreak and and disappointment because that's what translates to story. So, like, the first time I, I felt great was getting accepted to film school, then getting chosen by the, the teachers and the and the students to do my, my – direct my short film uh, called Warehouse Games because not everyone that goes to film school when I went to in Vancouver Film School gets to direct, only, like, six people. You have to prove that you are willing and that you're able to direct. And so when I got chosen, I I felt, you know, like I barely, like I knew how to speak English, but not as well. And I had to prove myself doing two jobs in every other set because everyone's like, oh, he's joking around all the time. He's not serious. And it's like, no, when I'm on set, I'm fucking serious. Mm -hmm. And, and, but to, uh, you know, like doing the short film, Princess and the Musician, going to rain dance with lo-fi, but not only meeting Robert, but seeing my dad like at South by Southwest watching Monday, just laughing was that to me was there it is. That's fucking great, dude. That's really great. Cause everybody has those moments. Like yours is pretty extreme. I mean, as far as your, your dad cutting off your family and, and uh, that man. And then to have that moment, that must've been such an important moment for you, dude. Yeah, man. It's, it was, it was like a self realization that, you know, like he thought it because he did like after film school, he's like, okay, are you done with that? And I'm like, no, like it's just starting. And it took him a while. Like he's the first one. He doesn't, you know, when he sees my movies, he doesn't go like, well, the cinematography, he just goes, Hey, it looks really pro. It, it, It looks better and better every time. Like that's it. That's as much as he, or good job. That's as much as you're going to get from him. You know, he's old school. But yeah, it's good. It's good, though. Yeah, no, it's great because if you, if you like, shower someone with compliments, you're not going to let them fucking improve. And it's well, just yeah. comfortable. There's that, but also, you know, to help validate that a little bit more, I enjoy making movies for people who really don't give a shit about movies. Because if if they'll sit and watch a movie and go, yeah, I really liked it. Like there are people that I'll show movies to, and I know that they're they have no connection to films. Yeah, you know what I mean. I know it's like they're straight out of like the mechanic shop, and they're they're like I watch TV to forget about the fact that my wife doesn't live with me. You know what I mean? It's like one of those things. <laughs> and so when they watch a piece and they go, uh, that was good, 
it's like fuck yeah, that's like getting the Academy Award from like from like regular folks. Hey man, as what long as like, they don't complain, they paid the ticket and they stayed yeah. ninety minutes. I'm happy. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you thought it was great because you thought everything else was shit. So if you thought it was good, I'm fine. And you were just telling me, then that's fantastic. I'm on like the top layer of the, of, of your fucking uh, rating system. <laughs> exactly. That's fantastic, <laughs> fantastic, man. So. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing about movies in general is that movies are such a personal experience for folks and, and everybody watches films for different reasons and and uh, everybody brings something different to uh, a viewing experience, mm-hmm. which I try to explain to a lot of people when they ask me about uh, how I finally get to my final cut stuff. Like what I like to do is I have folks come through and view my rough cuts at different time periods and I've... I've now curated people that I know where they come from, what their experience is, what they bring to the movies, um, and I'll have them watch it at different stages. And and knowing that, understanding that someone may hate this fucking movie because I have a redhead in it, and when they were younger, they got picked on by a redhead in high school, that has nothing to do with the quality of film that I made. It's got everything to do with their personal experiences that they bring to it. So yeah. I'm always completely fascinated by um, like test screenings and test audience and that sort of thing and how studios are judging filmmakers for stuff. It's like there's so many different variables involved with a viewing experience because everybody's bringing their personal experience to the theater or to when they watch it on their fucking iPhones. Oh, you know I, mean? I, I agree. You know, so it's interesting shit. Um, so awesome, man. So then uh, that was a big experience for you. And then like, has there been a moment where you feel like uh, because of a film thing, like uh, industry wise, the, the wheels have been turning, like after you did the El Rey thing, how, how are things going for you at that point? Well, I I, I think the, the, the happiest moment was not, I mean, I got to close Holly Shorts. That was pretty dope. That's a great film festival uh, in yeah. Los Angeles. And people get to have a short film submit to Holly Shorts. They're badass. Um, you know, obviously South by that was great, but, um, I got to like Monday was reviewed by Roger Ebert.com. Like that was a huge deal to me because it's like, I've dude, I've been following this page and the show for 20 years. Yeah. Like I love that. So that would, to me was like over the moon. And, and even though like we did that and we had like Robert's blessing and you know, he's, you know my mentor and everything like you still have to do the ground you know you have to do the grind and you have to like bust your ass and keep doing work so when i started i I started submitting scripts and i saw that it was taking too long i said oh fuck this i'm just just grab what you grab what you learned from rebel and i did a kick an indiegogo and i wrote another movie and we shot it in 17 days hell yeah i hate waiting you know, our time is limited here. And if you really want to do film or you want to do something that you love, you might as well just go all the way or else what are you doing? Yeah, dude, it's good advice, man, because the game, the waiting game is a really difficult thing. And I, one of the things I like about this show for now and like this episode, actually, mm-hmm. um, is that uh, I have a lot of folks writing to me all the time and asking, like, what is the system? Like, what should I do? Like, uh, is there a certain steps that I could take to become a filmmaker, become successful? And I, I try to keep explaining to everybody that, that asked me that. It's like, there is no fucking plan, dude. There's, there's no set rules. Like, 
just because you go to film school doesn't mean you're going to work in this business. No. And just because you make a movie doesn't mean you're going to work in this business. And just because you get in a festival, and even if you win a, uh, in a shorts program at a festival, doesn't mean you're going to get a feature. And I'm also curious about you being on the El Rey Network. It's like there isn't a surefire way to do this. There are a bunch of opportunities to practice your art, practice yeah. your skill, to, to learn more from it, and to take advantage of the small opportunities that come from large successes. You know what I mean? Of course. No, I think um, that's what you – I mean, you, you you touched on similar things with um, Alex Ferrari a couple of weeks back on an episode where it's, you, yeah. know, it's, you know, talking about a man who's like gung-ho about just get it done. It's it's Alex Ferrari and like it's, it's great advice if – just because you go to UCLA film school doesn't mean you're going to get out and just immediately work. You have to start as a PA. I, I PA'd a bunch of stuff. I commercials and, and, and AC'd and gripped and I interned at a grip company. But then the stuff you learn, you utilize for your own project. So if a grip is like, well, we can't do this. I'm like, yes, you can. Trust me. I've done it. So you know that, yeah, you put the sandbag over there or just turn around the knuckle and, and do this. Like you, you have to know every position. So it's just mm-hmm. you, how much you really want it. Because, you know, everyone thinks that filmmaking is glamorous and they only see the red carpet and shit. But they don't know the, you know, the 3 a.m. losing your mind, hair falling out, white hair popping out. And you lose the, <laughs> you lose the funds and then you get the funds and you lose half of them and all the actor can do today and then it's yeah they don't see that and it's that's what makes the experience worth it and that's why i think directors at the end come off as cocky because it's like you have no idea what they've been through like for this last movie i went to the hospital because i was my day job doing pre-production and running a campaign and i i popped (laughs) i mean i'm 30 I'm 38, man. If I was 25, no problem. I couldn't do it. So am I proud of this yeah. movie? Yes, I am. Yes, yeah, I fuck am. Yeah. And I'm proud of the team, but it's because we know how hard we work. Yeah. And it, and then your team becomes such a family-oriented thing because you, you, you're you essentially going to war every time you start a project. Mm-hmm. It feels that way. It really does. Um and that's that. That's right. I mean, I guess a lot of that cockiness does come from that. And you try not to be cocky in in a certain way. But when you talk to people, even just doing regular stuff, like I will, I've been up for because I do a lot of commercial work as a director to make money. Mm-hmm. And I've gone through. It's the same process, like the bidding process, the writing ideas, and the fucking submission. It's it's just as brutal in the commercial side of things. And I always end up in the room talking to folks and like, if someone wants me to do a shoe ad, you know what I mean? And they're like, uh, look, uh, we looked at your reel and it looks like you've done some shoe stuff, but have you ever shot red sneakers before? And I just want to look at them and go, motherfucker, I created 1980s Russia in a small suburb outside of Boston and shot a movie in a different fucking language. Yes. Do you not think I can't shoot red fucking sneakers? Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. So you need a, you need a, what, what are they called? Um, what are those called? Those tubes that you can attach the metal. I can't fucking remember. Like a quasar. Well, you want a quasar passing in the distance so it looks like a flashlight, dude. Like yeah, that's dude. one small element of everything you created in twelve kilometers. Like it's kind of insulting at times. 
It, it really feels that way. And they're just sort of looking at it. And it's, it's partly because there's so many people in the industry right now or so many people that want to get in the industry. So when you're dealing with these commercial companies, they know that and they run, each, they run us against each other. It's always lowest bid. And then they have the ability to, to cherry pick shit. So for them, it's like the Walmart of fucking finding a, a director where they sort of walk down the aisles and it's like, well, this guy only has like, you know, he only has like max four people in any one of his shots. And this RP is going to have six people. And you're like, what the fuck? Like you should be examining the storyteller. You should be examining the life experiences that that person's been through. And so then if you're going to throw them an idea, if you're going to yeah. throw them some sort of inspiration, then understand that that's going to be put through the meat grinder of their fucking life experiences to create something that is so specifically yours. Okay, guys, perfect time to stop and hear a little bit from our sponsors, the people that support this show. My God, it is so hot here right now. I shut off the AC because it is running too loud for even the noise-canceling stuff to, to do it. So if uh, I start to stumble over my words or if you hear me pass out, it's because it's literally fucking 98 degrees in the studio right now. Oh, God. So, give me some sponsorships, guys, please. I got to get a good AC unit. Oh, anyway. Okay, so the people that do support the show that have been here since the beginning are good buddies at Puget Systems. If you are an independent filmmaker, if you are a photographer, if you're a music engineer, or if you're a gamer and you are looking for a new computer, your old computer is just not keeping up with what you need from your software, uh, you don't have to buy a Mac. Right? These days you can buy a PC. PCs are powerful. PCs are more cost effective uh, and they're super upgradable. Um, and if you're going to do that, building your own PC is quite a task because you have to try out the different hardware, what hardware works with what, how does this thing all come together, I got to order all these different pieces. It's fine if you want something to do, if you have a hobby, you like to build machines. I used to do it as a kid. It's great. But if you're a filmmaker and you're right in the middle of a project and you need a machine that shows up in a box, a machine that is guaranteed, a machine that comes with customer support, I suggest you go to PugetSystems.com. At PugetSystems.com, you can order your machine by the software you use. You can actually select the different software bundles that you have, and they will suggest a baseline computer. Now, here's what's really great about these guys. They love to talk to their customers. They will build you a custom machine based upon what it is that you're doing. So interact with them, right? And if you happen to be just a guy that's building your own PCs, these guys do beta testing, these guys do benchmark testings, and they publish their shit on their website. So it's a great resource if you're building your own PC, but if you're looking for a system that is backed by amazing customer support, I mean, someone that answers the fucking phone, that's huge, okay? Um, check out PugetSystems.com. Love those guys. They've been supporting me since the beginning. I cut everything I cut on a Puget Systems PC. Thank you, fellas. Also up, our good buddies over at Rule Broadcast Camera. Uh, if you are an independent filmmaker and you're having trouble keeping up with the equipment, 
Every year, something new is coming out. There's a new camera, there's a new codec, there's a new toy, and all the producers that you work for want you to shoot with them all. It's insane to try to keep up with all that. You won't be able to stay in business because your debt will be so huge and you'll never be able to pay that gear off. So, how do you do it? I highly suggest you go make a relationship with your local rental house. Uh, And if you're on the East Coast, the best one above New York is Rural Boston Camera. Love those guys. Now, why local? Well, yeah, sure, there's a bunch of different rental houses online, and they all have their different purposes, right? But the problem with that is, is if you're renting gear for a production from online, and that gear goes down, because no matter what, we all know equipment fails. No matter how good it is, there's always that thing that doesn't work right, or a piece of equipment that wasn't included, or something just doesn't fit the camera the way it's supposed to. If you deal with a local rental house like Rural Boston Camera, they will literally drive out replacement parts to you on set. So if something doesn't work, if there's an issue with something, they'll bring you that replacement. Really great. They also have training seminars. They also love young independent filmmakers. You go in there, you get your hands on the gear, the cameras, the equipment that they use to make the movies that you love. You can go learn how to use them. You can put some time in on them and then be able to turn to your clients and go, I know how to use that movie. So now that you want to shoot that whole fucking thing you're doing on a movie only, I know how to do it, right? Hmm. Sarcasm is built in that statement. Anyway, check them out. Rule, Boston Camera. Love those guys. Also up, our lovely sponsor, one of our new sponsors, Quasar Science. Quasar lights are these amazing LED lights on the market. If you are talking about the advancement in technology in our business, LED lighting has been huge for us. Like, let's not even mention the fact that in one single light, you can dial in any color of the rainbow so you don't have to deal with gels anymore. You don't have to go spend like 15 bucks on a one by one square, uh, one by one foot square fucking gel. $150 on a roll of gel that you're going to just throw away because it gets used to shit. Uh, LED lights are fantastic for being able to dial in any color temp. And with these quasar tubes, you can actually dial in uh, different uh, program chase moves like police car lights, uh, strobes, uh, flicker effects, all that stuff. These lights can be chained together. They can be run through DMX boards. They can be programmed all together. Um, Quasar tubes, if you talk to any gaffer in the business, they all know what quasar tubes are. They're amazing. They're fantastic lights. And if you're going to buy some lights for your kit, pick up some Quasar stuff because the LEDs run cool. The temperatures um, on them on set are a lot lower than having to shoot with tungsten or anything else where there's a lot of heat that comes off the lights. Um, and they're just multifunctional. You can actually put them in shots and have them play as fluorescent lights that you can program. Uh, they're great edge lights. They're great background lights. Uh, you can chain them together and diffuse them and make them a good key light. Really great lights. Go check out QuasarScience.com there. You can look through their products. They'll suggest different vendors for them. And if you want to buy the light that I have, click on the link in my Instagram bio or in the Instagram bio at In Love With The Process POD. There, scroll down, and you can order the Quasar tube that I have through Amazon. So we'll also make a little bit of money on that too. So if you want to support the show, that is a great way to do it. And now that we're talking about supporting the show, there's a bunch of different options because everybody's like, how do we support you? How do we support the show? We love it. We want you to keep working. We want to give you money, Mike. I like that. It's a really great thing to hear from you guys. Um, I know you're all independent filmmakers, so let's try to do it without you reaching in your own wallet, shall we? And an easy way of doing so is signing up for a free trial at Audible 
audible.com. Now, if you haven't, it's important that you haven't already had an Audible uh, account. If you haven't yet, you can go to audibletrial.com backslash in love with the process. I'll put the link below. You can sign up for 30 days for free at Audible. That comes with a free book so you can listen to some stuff while you're trying it out. Uh, there's a bunch of really great books out there. I was listening to Dr. Sleep, which is the sequel to The Shining, which they're making a movie on now. Um, and if here's the thing. Sign up, 30 days, try it out. I know you're going to like it. I know you're going to keep it. I'm going to be using the shit out of it as I drive nine days across country. I'll tell you that. Um, but if you don't and you cancel, no big deal. We still get paid. Either way. It's a great way to give us a little bit of loot. So if you haven't done so already, go to audibletrial.com com backslash and love the process. I think that's the URL. I'll put the link below. I'm such a piece of shit with that. Um, and sign up. Give us some loot. Now, another way to get us some really great loot is uh, to sign up with our deal that we have with Capital One. Now, I'm gonna just start this this read with uh, preference here. If you are a piece of shit with finances, if you don't know how to control your bank accounts, if you don't know how to plan, if you don't know how to run a checking account, if you don't know how to take care of your bills, do not do this. Do not get a credit card, okay? Like if you don't know how to handle your shit, then don't do this. But if you're somebody who's responsible, if you're starting up your own business and you wanna be able to put all those rentals and all your expenses on a credit card, so that when the client doesn't pay you on time and they pay you two months later, um, it doesn't have to come out of your personal rent account, I highly suggest you sign up for either Capital One Venture or the Venture One card. And you'll find those links in our link on our Instagram bio page. So at Love With The Process POD, click the link to listen to the show, scroll down, and you can choose either the Venture card or the Venture One card. The difference between the two cards is this. If you do the first Venture card, and you spend $3,000 within the first three months on that card, they'll give you a bonus, bonus miles, travel miles. So I think it's 50,000, 50,000 travel miles, and that equals 500 bucks. So if you spend three grand in the first three months, that's $500 that you can spend on travel, which we're using to travel cross country, by the way, being smart about it. Listen to the shows that we're doing on the trip, and you'll learn about the tricks on that. Um, that's great. First year, uh, there's no interest. Um, and then after the first year, you have to pay a fee to have that card, 95 bucks, right? So do the balance on that. Is it worth the $95 for the 500 bucks? Maybe, okay? Be responsible. The other option is the Venture One card, which has no annual fee. And you only have to spend $1,000 within the first three months. And I think it's 20,000 miles, which equals like 200 bucks. All the information will be in the link. Um, it's still great. It's still like if you're someone that has to travel, if you want to have a little bit of mileage set aside to go to film festivals or to do any of that kind of stuff, it's fantastic. Um, it's very easy to use when you actually make purchases on your card on the website. You can just erase off travel costs based upon your mileage. Super cool. Very easy. If you sign up using our link, the show gets some loot. It's straight up and good loot. We get good loot. So if you really like the show, and you don't want to pay us out of your own pocket, don't blame you, keep your overhead down. Um, that's the best way to do it. Um, so, there's the ad reads. Holy shit, uh, I'm sweating my balls off. Let's get back into this great conversation with Alejandro. See you.
What is the most frustrating thing that they've told you that you were just like so like goddamn? Oh, it depends, dude. <laughs> like commercial-wise, it fucking depends. Like, there's nothing worse. All right, so when I was a younger director uh -huh. and I started to do commercials, it's all about insecurity. So mm -hmm. when you're younger, you're constantly battling that insecurity. And, and a lot of my learning I did through music videos. Mm -hmm. So luckily we had very small budgets, very small sets. We were able to control ourselves in that music video world. Uh, and then, you know, you end up disguising insecurity with cockiness when you're younger. So you're sort of sitting there going, I know what the fuck I'm doing. Even if you don't, because you have to convince people that you know what the fuck you're doing in order to get them to do it. And the only way to get that experience is by lying about the experience when you first start. <laughs> like, it's, it's just the way it is. Because to practice the art of being a director, you literally need to have all these elements in place to even just start practicing mm -hmm. being a director. And so the only way to do that is you have to learn how to convince people that you know what the fuck's going on. And I think what happens when you're younger is that you're battling those insecurities because you don't, you just don't have that experience. You don't have that time on set. So you're like, uh, you have to bullshit yourself first. You know what I mean? And then you, well, at least I did. And I would have to put on sort of this facade. I'm like, I know what the fuck I'm doing. You know, I need you to show up. And that was this fine line of being arrogant mm -hmm. because then you're sort of sitting there going, am I actually absorbing what's around me? Am I telling a story? Am I actually getting what I need from the crew? Uh, but like in commercial work, what like execs that did that told you something like kind of like the red sneakers? Like, oh, dude. Yeah. So then, so then when you make that transition into the commercial world, uh -huh. you sort of bring some of that with you, and you're there going, "Look, I've been able to create rush. I've been able to do all this stuff." And then you're you're shooting some bullshit. So you're shooting like tabletop crap, and someone's like you know, the fucking lemon needs to turn 15 degrees in order to do its thing. And you've done like 50 fucking takes of someone like drop a spraying water on something and you're just looking at them going like, no one gives a fuck. Like, honestly, no one gives a fuck. They're gonna, they're gonna click next. This is gonna be a pre-roll that happens. So literally all they're gonna look at is the first two frames of this and then they're gonna click next and you're holding me here 45 fucking takes <laughs> because the lemon is not at the right angle. And... When I first started, I used to get really angry. I used to get really pissed off and I would, it was a thing. And then I learned that my job as a director in the commercial world was more about people on that end than it was my skill in front of the camera. So you end up learning how to interact with, with creatives. You end up learning that, honestly, you're just getting hired for one or two reasons. One, because they really like your work and they want to hang out. Or two... They just need a face put on the piece to make their boss feel happy with what it is. But essentially, you're not even needed creatively because they're doing all the boards. They're doing all the casting. They're doing all of that shit. And so you're kind of like quality control. Yes. And then, and then their quality control over you. So it's like this weird world uh, commercial shit is where you can't go into it. I learned that you can't go into it going like I'm an art, like I'm an artist. So you guys want me to do a car ad? I will make the mic car ad for you. Like when I first started, that's what I thought it was. Where it was like, fuck, they really like my films. They really like my work. They want me to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but there have been situations where that's the case. I have been hired because people have seen 12 Cam and they've they've been like, we love what you did with 12 Cam. Let's just do it again. Yeah, this product. That has happened, but most of the time for higher work, 
they're bringing you in because of your experience. You know, he's got red fucking sneakers on his reel. You know what I mean? And you're just like, oh, kill me. I love it when you're shooting <laughs> and they're like, you're going to get this in a close up, right? And I'm like, that's fucking wide. Yes, of course I am. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, all wide. Yeah, it's the Terrence Malick. Yeah, no, all wide. And guess what? I wasn't rolling sound on any of it. So good luck. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, cool. it's, it, it, you know what it is, is it's just insecurity stuff all the way around. It, it, and most of our business is ego. I'd say like, you know, 80% of what we, we deal with is like managing egos. Um, and you're just... If you're smart, I think the longer you do it, the more experience you have, the more you realize, like, look, this will be a fun thing if I learn how to work within this business. And I learn that uh, it isn't just my ego that needs to be stroked here. It, like, I'm here to help. Yeah, exactly. I'm here to, I'm here to help you sell that fucking warehouse of product that you need a commercial to sell. That's basically what commercials are. And if you ever look at it hard... They don't spend a lot of money on commercials for really good products. Yeah, right? <laughs> Why is that? Because most of the time, the products that suck need that advertising. Yeah, the you know products what I mean? sell themselves. Yeah, if it's really great products, then they don't need much of anything. But the products that like are, or if it's like a publicly traded company and they, they expect some like ridiculous profit margin all the time, then they'll drop loot. Like look at, I mean... Look at Coca-Cola. You know what I mean? Like, look at these places that spend that kind of fucking money where it's yeah. like. But they don't this, need it. Coca-Cola has like a fucking an army of followers forever. Sure. But they're also dealing with the fact that, you know, you're in the whole new artisanal generation. I guess beer is probably a better thing to look at because there's so much really great stuff going on with like microbrews and shit. And then I've interacted, worked with uh, beer brewers that are trying to change all that stuff. So it's like, you know, it's it's. I think beer is a better example. No, good point. Yeah, but I don't know. Whatever. On a tirade here. So you've done some commercial stuff. How's your experience been with that? It's it's basically the same. When when they were because I've had like when I did the soccer ads, um, they were very like do your thing. They they gave me creative control. So that was awesome. That's great. But I've had commercials yeah. where they were just like barking in my ear and I'm just like, dude, like we, we're going. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty like I'm pretty relaxed on set, but I do like to, you know, crack the whip like, all right, we were joking around too much. Let's get this done so we can all leave and go get a beer. Yeah. You know, yeah. so when when people come in and like, hey, uh, are you done setting up? You asked me five minutes ago. You're seeing they're changing the lens. Like. It's 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 been both ways, and I do love commercial, and I wish I could do more commercial work because it's to me it's challenging and it's it's intriguing to how do you tell a story in thirty seconds? So I like that. Yeah, for sure. And there's something really great about the turnaround time on that stuff. Yeah, so, so it's like, like work you, that you can like show. It's awesome. Y- yep, and you can pa- you can bang it out really quick. And um, I've had really great clients. Like I do stuff for Dale Strong, this knife company, and he lets me have creative control and that, that stuff is a lot of fun. Um, but then I've also done the opposite end of the spectrum where I've done stuff for like Sam Adams, like big, big places. Oh, nice. And you, it's, it's a whole different thing where, you know, I go from like sh- the, the same month I shoot the knife piece where it's like all my own stuff and we're running around. It's very low key, re- really fast. We shot so much material, so much really beautiful looking stuff. And then you go do like um, a big beer ad 
And that's like a day, two days on set with a full union crew. And you're, it's a whole different vibe. Yeah. And at that, at that point, like I said, it's egos. At that point, you're just sort of walking around as a director, making sure that the crew knows who you are, making sure that the crew understands your sensibilities, and then you're walking around with the clients, and then you have like a client monitor with like 14 fucking clients. Oh my God, I hate that dude. I hate it. So, but that's that's, giving their opinions, and it's like, guys. Exactly. But if that was my movie, I would, I would kill. But that's their, that's their gig. So that's your gig. That's your gig. So even though it can get obnoxious, um, I've learned since that it's about just being inclusive with those folks. So instead of being that director that hides over at the camera and doesn't interact with the clients, I really like to go and sit with them. And the big problem with sets right now, well, I mean, it's been this way since I've been in the business. As soon as video came along, when you have live video feed, like live tap, mm-hmm. um, there's, you have clients watching every step of the fucking way. As opposed to when you did film, you saw you had some bullshit feed where it's just for focus and then they really couldn't see what they were getting until later. Um, they'll sit there and start to critique as you're doing the whole process. Mm-hmm. And th- that can be incredibly annoying for the crew where they're like, do you think that should be there? And they're like, I, I haven't even placed it yet. Stop <laughs> looking at the monitor. Uh, and so what I like to do is I'll tell the crew what, to, what I need them to do and what the setups are. And then I'll go sit with the clients and while we're sitting there watching the monitor, I'll explain the process with them and go, so what you're seeing here is that they're tweaking this and this is interesting. And they get more in, immersed with it because then they're like, oh, fascinating. So that's what they do to do the light. And then they feel like that they're learning through the process. And then I'm guiding them to the point where I go, don't give me any feedback until this point. Yeah. And really, you only have to sit down with them a couple of times and then they get it. Then they know that I'm going to come over at a certain point and go, you now have the opportunity to make changes and we're not going to roll on this unless you're happy. So you can relax. You can go back to surfing the internet and doing whatever the fuck it is that you do here for 14 hours. And then <laughs> let me the know. That's so true. <laughs> Just let me know. So, I, I mean, I enjoy it. I've, in my older age, I've enjoyed sort of figuring that out um, and figuring out how to work. I think that's what comes with age when you're when you're doing stuff is that uh, when I first started, it was me running around with a camera and trying to figure all this stuff out and learning all those tricks and learning how to deal with the crew mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but now it's like, how do I delegate? And how do I delegate to people that have more experience than I do? And then how do I uh, just calm egos and calm folks and investors and all that kind of stuff? So it's fascinating. It's a fascinating learning curve. It's, but anyway, <laughs> no, it's no, it's it's it, what you're saying is so true. Like this, this basically what you've been saying is totally helpful for people that want to get into the business or want to like, well, I don't just want to do film. I also want to do more like corporate stuff to pay bills to then do that. So it's like it's a different it's a very different approach. And and, and hearing this, uh, it's something that I can utilize. Like I just learned from you. And it's stuff that people that can listen to this can definitely do that because, yeah, I maybe it's my that it's caused me so much to get where I am that I'm just like very standoffish. But it's like, hey, you got to you got to you got to take into consideration that that's their job. They're just doing their job. So you can't really fault them. 
you can't, dude. And then it's one of the things that uh, I've learned is a really fun thing to do, and it's a very rare thing to do, is to actually go visit sets as a director for other filmmakers. So, and it's a very rare thing because most directors don't really like you have your core group of buddies, you have your core group of folks that you can turn to, but a lot of it's kind of standoffish. So the idea of having like a strange or another director on the set while you're trying to flub your way through and try to figure that out and having someone sit by a monitor, it can be, you know, intimidating for certain folks. And I was very fortunate. I think I've talked about it in other episodes. I was very fortunate when I was young, a little bit younger and I was making movies and I had a couple scripts and, uh, we knew uh, one of the producers for the Farley brothers, for Peter yeah. and um, and Bobby. And uh, they wanted to potentially produce one of the movies that I was going to do. And I had the really fortunate experience of being able to go down to their sets. I was on the set for the Three Stooges movie they did, and I was on the set for um, Hall Pass. Uh, and those guys are incredibly generous, incredibly generous filmmakers, um, and watching them work really shaped how I interact with crew. Yeah. Because they are, uh, it, like, they'll turn to the boom op and be like, what do you think of this take? You know what I mean? Like, it, they're just so inclusive. And their sets are such a wonderful thing to see. They shoot most of their stuff down in Georgia these days. But So I got to see that stuff. Um, and I got to watch how they interact, which is such an important learning lesson. And then recently... A couple months ago, actually, I got to go on the set of a new movie being produced by um, Scott Free. So I got mm-hmm. to go hang out for the day and watch how this dude shoots action, watch how, uh, you know, he processes a crew, you know, watch like in that budget range, how big of a crew is there and how many folks are there. Um, and then I got to sit at the monitor basically with a bunch of producers and like I essentially was part of that group who would normally be, you'd be standoffish with as a director. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, okay, so who are all these people sitting around the monitor and making decisions and, and talking about stuff? So it was interesting because I got to sit with them and hear their takes and hear their reasons why they were thinking about certain things and, um, and, he, and hear what they're focused on and their mindset. And one of the interesting things that I got from it was that they're there to do a job. Essentially, yeah. one or two, they, they have like a very specific task that, that, that maybe they're there to monitor the money. Maybe they're there to monitor the content for pre-sales or for whatever the fuck it is. And so if you understand what each person's individual job is, then you understand uh, when they're going to be happy and when they're going to be upset. And you can work with them within those confines. And it was a fascinating fucking learning experience. It really is. It really is. You're right. You know, I... It, people forget that this business is a social business. It is a hundred percent a social business, and I think a lot of filmmakers that get into this business are antisocial people. <laughs> yeah, which is which is pretty funny because it's like, oh, I don't like talking to people. Then how the fuck are you going to direct? You need to talk to <laughs> actors. You need to know emotions, dude. It's like, you need to know emotions. You need to know how to self promote. You need to know how to talk to fucking press. Yeah. You need to know how to talk to producers. And money people and locations people and oh, dude, it's all over the place. You know better than anybody doing the films that you do, you know? Oh yeah, that's why I love uh the scenes about emotionality. <laughs> What's his name? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Robert Downey in Tropic Thunder. I love that line so much. Where is it? Action Jack cry. <laughs> God, I love that movie. 
Yeah, dude. So good. Um, so, so, okay. So let's get back to your stuff here. Cause we've gone off on a, a, a I loved it, dude. I loved our conversation, man. That was awesome. It's a, it's a great, it's a great, like different point of view from like someone who is in Boston doing commercials and like coming to LA and someone who's from Mexico now in Albuquerque coming to LA to try to do commercials and film. It's a great different point of view. I, I'm having a great time. Good, man. Awesome. Me too. And you know, speaking of the LA thing, it's it's such a fascinating, it's such a fascinating place at this point because it's such a melting pot. Where like you're going there, I'm going there. All these people are coming there for the sp- same specific reason to to make things, to make it, to get their shit seen, to get their shit done. Yeah, um, it's interesting. I'm I'm curious about it because I've been very. Honestly, I've been very anti-LA for most of my career. I've been directing for 18 years here. So for me, I was always like, fuck it. I can, I can make really great stuff here, and then people will come to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, did, I made great stuff, and people did come. But then you hit this point where they're like, okay, you have our attention. You need to make shit happen. And it's like, fuck, I need to be in the system that they exist in yeah. in order to do that. If anything, just a fucking three-hour time change. Yeah. Is, is, a, is a nightmare for me. Do you feel the same way? Or? I mean, I, you know, you're, I've been coming back and forth from Albuquerque to, to LA in the past year. And, you know, there's the, always that fear, you know, this, this is a, you know, everyone's in film and, and a lot of people uh, were born privileged by the, in the sense of like, oh, their dad or their mom are in the industry or they know friends. Sure. So it's just, they get the little help immediately. Like I, I've seen people like that. Or, um, oh, um, I don't know. It's, it's, you can totally tell when people are like, or they're not talented or they take it for granted or they don't put in much effort, but you got to go through that. It's, it's just how it's going to be. And, and there's not really anyone that could do about it but you. So I think by having a foot in Albuquerque for me to try to bring projects over, but trying to mingle and do the, the LA thing is important because it's, it's really, you have to socialize so they can be comfortable that they're trusting you with money because a lot of people, and I'm sure you've heard this is, you know, filmmakers, when they're starting, they're like, no, it's my talent that's going to attract you. And it's like, no, it's not. It's who you meet, how they see you, how they see you get along with people, how they see managing your time, how hard you're working. And then it's your talent. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's and it's not bad, man. A lot of people give LA a lot of shit, and it's not bad. I no one has been rude to me, you know. Like I yesterday, I went to a uh, what did I do yesterday? Oh, I went to 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 a bar with a with, with a couple of friends, and then there were uh, three to four. Oh, there were like four people coming back from seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. They had their poster. And I'm like, what'd you think? And then I just started chatting with them. And then my friends left and I just, <laughs> I just stayed at the bar with these people and they were great people. So no people, awesome. yeah, they're great. There's, there's, there's great food. Like, come on, you're in the Mecca of, of food. Like there's so many cultures yes. and why would you not like that? You want to get some great Thai food? Go. You want to go experience some sort of like, um, I don't know, Brazilian festival or Mexican or Irish. It's it's all here and that's awesome. I love the fact that you can go to a part of town and you're transported to another country and you can learn about the culture and people. So I, that's what I dig about New York and that's what I dig about LA. Yeah, hell yeah, dude. I completely agree with you. And, and 
Uh, the thing that really excites me about the West Coast at this point, because I've been, like I said, I've been working out here. So New York, East Coast guy, mm-hmm. Boston for 18 years. And I kind of like Massachusetts. I know every fucking place in Massachusetts. I know every fucking place in New York at this point. And so the West Coast to me is so interesting because I don't. <laughs> Yeah. So it's going to be so much fun to just go and be like, what the fuck is this? And who, like, where does this come from? It's just going to be inspiring. I, I, I think it's uh, well overdue for me, you know, being, you know, over 40 at this point. It's like, I, I'm totally into jumpstarting everything and being like, you're wow, married, let's right? go out and have some really cool. Uh, no, me and my girl have been together. We're not married yet, cool. but, uh, you know, might as well be. Yeah, but, no, it's, you know. it's, it's great, dude. And if she's moving with you, there's so much stuff you guys can do. Like, I mean, come on, man. That's one of the things yeah. that I hate. I hate, but I love about LA is that everyone comes and plays here. So if you're a music fan, your wallet's going to be hurting because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I saw Jesus in the Mary Chain. I've seen, you know, like, I've, I've, I love going to live music and concerts. And I get excited, and then at the end where I'm like, well, the ticket plus the beers, I'm like, son of a bitch. But, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff to do. Universal Studios is right here. Amoeba Music. Like, every time I go to Amoeba Music, it's like, I, again, I went there yesterday, and I bought, for the love of God, I bought a True Romance Laserdisc. <laughs> Jesus. Why? <laughs> I, bl- I, bu- I bought a Blade Runner VHS tape. What are you gonna do with that? Well, well the laser disc, this, the laser disc. So I'm gonna take out the laser disc from like the the thing, the the sleeve, and then I'm gonna frame it. So awesome. you have like the, That's awesome. the CD, the big CD laser disc, and then the cover because laser discs have like really cool like artwork inside of them. Yeah, they do, dude. They're they, I mean, I remember the Blade Runner laser disc. Oh my god, it was fun. gorgeous. Yeah. All the no, sets. I mean, ah. I love that shit, dude. I love that. I'm the same. What I'm doing right now, because I have to move and I don't like want to take all this shit. So I'm literally going through like all my warehouse. That's why I've been selling shit on Instagram. Yeah. I've been going through all my stuff and, and selling boxes of comic books. I have so much shit that I'm getting rid of. And I know what's going to happen is I'm just going to land there and be like, all right, let's go to the comic book store. Just rebuy everything? <laughs> I had a video yeah, store. Right. I had a video store before I moved to Canada to go do film. At a video store yeah. called um, Quick Stop Video, as an homage to Kevin Smith, and right. I when I got accepted to film school, I sold all my movies and my video store, and then I got <laughs> to fucking Canada, and I was like, "Oh, HMV, let's go buy some DVDs." <laughs> it's it, dude. It's very true. It's very true. Uh, but you know, it's. It's it's all about that cleansing, I think, that needs to happen. Because one of the things that, um, so there are two. I, f- I find that there are multiple stages. Obviously, when you're when you're deciding to be a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and then you're learning film, it's really exciting when you start to learn, and and your brain is stimulated a hundred percent all the time because it's like, fuck, this is how this guy does this, and holy shit, and if I do this with a camera, this does that, wow, mm-hmm. and and this is editing, and so you're doing like a hell of a lot of learning. So like the first five years. Uh, are really fucking exciting. And then you sort of cross into like that eight-year mark where people start to notice you, you know? And like, if you're trying to get commercials, you're trying to get work, people are calling you and you're like, fuck. And then you start to get hired and you're like, holy shit, I got paid. I got all this stuff. And then you, you cross that like 10, 12-year mark and you're like, okay, so now I got money coming in and is this what my career is? Like, am I a commercial director or am I not a commercial? What, what am I, and what do I ultimately want to be doing? 
And so then you start trying to figure that stuff out. And then you start hitting, you know, middle age. And in middle age, you're like, I just, I need to just reboot. And you just sort of hit this point where you're like, look, there are so many systems and rhythms that I have in place that are really good to do exactly what I've been doing. But if I want to change that shit up, I got to throw those all out. Like we, we I got to go back and start learning again. It's going to be exciting. Oh, hell yeah, dude. It's, it's a new territory and it's new people and it's new processes. It's, it's great. It's, if you stay in the same spot, like I said, you're just going to get rusty. You get lazy. It's, it's, it's always good to challenge yourself. Yeah. 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 That's the thing, man. And that's, that's what our LA move is going to be. And, and, uh, I, I highly suggest that to folks, I, not to move to Los Angeles, but just to examine your rhythms because you sort of set these rhythms in place. And as you get older, you have these rhythms because you because of your prior experiences where you're like, look, I'm not going to go drink my ass off tonight because I know I'm going to have a hangover for fucking two days. <laughs> you just, just slowly learn these rhythms and you end up falling into that, that, that life routine. Yeah. Um, and you know, one day you wake up, you know, and it's been four years or three years and you're like, what the fuck? Why do I go to bed at 10 o'clock? You know, why do I go to bed at, you know, at this time of night? So it's like, I think it's really good to examine that stuff as a filmmaker all the time and try to figure out like, how do I re- restart my life a little bit here? I think it's how because at one point you want to do film because of the glamour. And when you see that it's not there or it's not that if you really love film, you do it because of a passion and you want to do work well. So maybe you'll sacrifice a trip or two to the bar, which I love. I love to have a drink. And when you're in LA, we got to get a beer or two. Oh yeah, dude, we'll do it. You know what part of town you're going to be in? <laughs> uh, we're still looking. Um, you know, it all depends on where we get stuff, but I think we're going to be uh, maybe like a uh, Silver Lake area. So probably like uh, East. That's where um, I'm at, bro. Nice. I'm in uh, Santa nice. Monica, so we we're, we're we're pretty close. Nice, yeah. So we're gonna be, we'll be picking. Our, like basically, it's tough when you're trying to book a spot mm-hmm. uh, and you don't live in Los Angeles, and you because of the way the real estate market works out there, you can't you can't really book ahead of time. You have to sort of show up with all your fucking paperwork and your cash, yeah. and you walk into a spot and you go, "Hey, this is what I want. Here's the fucking shit." So. It's kind of stressful because we're we're doing the move, we're on the road on the twenty fifth of August. So we're 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 driving nine days across country. So I'm flying out a few weeks early, like two weeks earlier than that, and spending a week out there looking for a place. So it's it's uh, stressful, <laughs> and it would be it it would be nice to actually. I, I don't want to leave Los Angeles on my on my scout without booking a spot because I don't want to drive cross country and not have a place to land. So it's like, and I get booted out of my apartment here on the 1st of September. So it's like <laughs> those bricks. <laughs> yep. 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 So it's going to be uh it's going to be, it's a production though. What's the difference? It's like doing a fucking movie. Exactly. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. No, but it's going to be dope, man. You're going to have a road trip. You're going to get, you're going to get here and it's a new place. Like, no, man, it's, it's exciting. You do the do, do the touristy stuff for the first week, and then it's like, all right, here we go. Yeah, let's get some work going. Exactly. And it, the thing that's really interesting about it too is that you know, coming from a spot like I like I basically can do whatever I want in this city. Like I know I've got eighteen years of crew, eighteen years of experience, eighteen years of of contacts here in my hometown, 
And so now going out to Los Angeles, I've shot out there before, I've been out there before, but I'm literally going to have to start all over as far as like context concern and reimmersing myself into the community out there and like trying to find new folks and new collaborators and new crew people, like all that stuff that you really sort of take advantage of mm-hmm. or take for granted when you're, when you're in a spot that you've been doing it for so long. And it's exciting to me. Like I'm really pumped about meeting new folks and I'm really excited about showing up and like ha- having beers and going on what I like to call bar safaris and fucking barbecuing and well, fucking yeah. all that kind of shit. Well, I mean, it's but you be- could also utilize that where you can, um, you know, as you meet people and they, you know, they trust you to like uh, do a movie or commercials, commercial work, you'd be like, well, if you shoot this in Boston, it'll cost you 30% less. And I know everyone already. Exactly. Well, yeah. And they have a fucking killer tax incentive here. Yeah, of course. Exactly. There's, there's that. And the, the other thing that's going to be kind of funny is that I feel like once I leave here, then I'm going to get all the big jobs that I couldn't get here oh, because now oh, I'm, yeah. a, I'm an L.A. director. So <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be one of those things where it's like, oh, he's from L.A. It's like, mm, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, most okay. definitely going to happen. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you. Please, please text me the moment it, the first one happens because it's going to be, I give it three months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I have a thing because it's all about holding up. It's all about, you know, what you're buying. It's all about the, uh, the illusion, the romance, the fucking, you know, the, the social media accounts. It's a, that's what this business is all about. Everybody wants the glamour that comes with it. And like you said before, I would say 2% of what we do is glamorous. <laughs> it's glamorous. I think I've only walked a red carpet maybe twice in my 18 years. <laughs> <laughs> It's it totally is. A lot of people think it's just like, oh, you're like meeting with celebrities. I'm like, man, I'm broke half the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you got to trip to go promote your movie, and then, oh no, it's great. But then you, that's the positive stuff. Like, look, like us, like we've been talking through Instagram for a couple of months, and now we're getting to chat. I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to get drinks with this with this guy. Yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. We'll totally go hang out. I think it'll be a blast. And. Um, I, you know, I love the fact that we're on these tangents and I always try to bring it back just to make sure that I'm getting everything in. But like I said, your work is killer. Thank you. The stuff that you've been doing is fantastic. Your work ethic is important. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, this would be a good idea to have you on the show because, uh, at the end of the day, what this show does is it tries to pull the, the curtain back on that bullshit that you're seeing on Instagram and where it's like, I want to be a filmmaker because it's fucking, this is the life and it's an amazing life and it's, it's awesome. Granted it is, yeah. but not for the reasons you think. Like if you're, if you're looking at this to be, uh, you know, that stage where you can fucking turn to all the bullies in high school and go, look what I fucking did. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Like you have to, you have to love to work. And when I started, when I was younger, younger, before I even thought about being in the film business i used to do uh, uh airplane mechanic work car mechanic work i used to work as a house painter i used to work on crews it's very similar like the actual act of uh shooting movies and being on a crew is very similar to being on a construction crew the only difference is is that you get really really well catered meals <laughs> <laughs> yeah good, good point but it's the same shit, dude. Like if you're in the electric department and you're fucking pulling cable and wrangling cable and you're pulling through the mud and you're fucking filthy, like you're filthy and, and you're doing longer days, 
you're actually doing, you know, on major shoots, even if you're union, you'll get overtime and time and a half and all that shit, but you're still clocking in 15 hour fucking days for six day weeks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's it's a minimum of 12 hours, minimum, minimum, minimum. And they will run that, that gamut. And so, uh, it is not glamorous at all. And and you're like, well, yeah, maybe you're like at home going, well, I'm not going to be a fucking, you know, I'm too good to be a fucking gripper or an electric. It's like, well, fuck you, dude. You're still going to be a PA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're going to be on those sets waiting for those grips and electrics to fucking run that shit. And you're still going to be there 15, probably longer because they're going to convince you to drive that actress who's had a fucking freaky day home after the 16 hour fucking day that you've done. So you'll be on it for fucking 18 hours, you know? So, um, I don't know. That's kind of what the show's all about. It's, it's just being like, all right, look, here's the deal here. Here's what we actually do. And you and I love it. And we love it because of all those things, but we also love it because, uh, there's nothing better than uh, showing, at least for me, there's nothing better than showing a movie to an audience and having them react to all those things I planned. I love that shit. It's the best feeling. You know what I mean? See them laugh or see them like cry or see them like respond, clap. It's, it's, there's no better feeling. Like it's, it's the reason you do movies. Fuck yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. So what's next for you, dude? What, what, what's coming up the, uh, the pike for you? Well, um, Monday, the movie we shot with Robert Rodriguez comes out um, on iTunes, either this Tuesday or next Tuesday. So if you go to iTunes Movies and you search Monday and you want to see a $7,000 no-crew action comedy, check it out. We are editing our second feature film, which is called Millennium Bugs, and it's a dramedy set in the last week of 1999. During the Y2K craze. <laughs> so, it's, so it's basically about two best friends needing to like make their, their big life-changing decision as everyone around the world is uh, freaking out and thinking that the world's going to end. Because if uh, some of the listeners don't know, during 1999, there was this whole thing with the computers not being able to be programmed to jump into 2000 and... As I started doing research about it, because it's an element in the movie that that surrounds the characters. It's not like, you know, they're not running through during cars flipping and explosions and the the world's ending. No, it's just lingering around them to pressure them Mm -hmm. to, you know, to. We have to make a decision. But as I started doing more research, I started finding out a lot of people did did really believe the world was going to end. Like I know people that told me, you know, family members killed themselves and like started getting bunkers and like crazy shit. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny how, uh, how impressionable we are as a species. (laughs) I know. Right. But you know, it's, it's, uh, the movie is basically a dramedy, so it's not completely like dark or anything. So yeah, people can like Instagram millennium bugs film or, Alejandro Montoya Marina on Instagram and I do a bunch of stupid shit on my stories and I have a blast and yeah that's basically where we're at we're trying to I'm trying to do the same thing like we were saying with shorts where I'm gonna I want to do a feature per year mm-hmm. so um once this the the Millennium Bugs one is being edited we're trying to do another one in Austin Texas and and uh hopefully get it done and continue and continue that's awesome, dude. Your work ethic is something to be admired. It's Thank really you, cool, sir. Man. That means a lot. Coming from you, man. 
That's really cool. Good stuff, dude. Um, yeah, I think we're sort of, we're hitting that point. I'm at like an hour and 20 at this point. Okay. <laughs> I had a great time, dude. It didn't feel like an hour at all. Yeah, dude, uh, dude we'll have to have you back on the show because I, I feel like we can talk and you know what it'll, here's what'll happen. I'll come out to Los Angeles. We'll go out and have beers and we'll probably get along really well. So we'll probably do, uh, we'll probably do like a live a live okay. drunk fest with Mike and Alejandro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it already. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really cool, man. Um, so what I usually do at the end of the show is I like to give the guest an opportunity to give a bit of advice to the young filmmakers that are listening to the show. Like, what do you think? What is the piece of advice that you wish you had heard uh, now when you were younger? Um, it's, it's not easy. You're not special because, you know, you have some ideas and you think that, oh, they're groundbreaking. They're not. There's fucking 300 people that came up with it, too. A lot of the things that have led you, me, other filmmakers are way above the tentpole than us is connections, determination, hard work, not listening to the distractions that are the haters and the doubters and, and how much you really love film. Like you can try to do the system. It's great. There's people there that do it and succeed. But in, in my opinion is you, if you want to do the system, fantastic. If you have a story, you really got to get out, just go do it. And not everything's going to be a gem. You have to study you have to study whether it's watching movies or, 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 or taking online classes or going to school, dissecting movies, reading books, whatever, listening to podcasts like this where they actually give you tips and like different approaches from different creators. If you think you're going to make it with the first movie, you're going to be the next Tarantino or the next fucking whatever. <laughs> it's not going to work, man. That, that's, that's one in five million. And the problem with from what I'm seeing from what we when we were growing up is that there's so much instant gratification there's no wait like people want that fast pass and universal in life and it's like it doesn't work that way so I'm not trying to sound discouraging I just want to let you know that if you really love it and you really have that urge to be a filmmaker and to tell stories Get ready to wait, but the gratification is always amazing because you're doing what you love and not a lot of people do that. So if you love it, go for it. Don't let anyone dis, uh, discourage you. Ooh, God, it's so hot in here. Okay, all right. The things I do for you guys, I'm sweating through my shirt right now. All right, so it sweats running into my eyes. It's stinging. It's stinging me right now. Woof. All right, I hope you guys loved this episode. Uh, it turned out to be a really fantastic one. I cannot wait to go hang out with Alejandro in uh, Los Angeles when I move out there, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, thank you for listening to the show. I may be skipping a week here and week there just because of all the frantic stuff happening with the move, but stay with me, guys. Um, because I'm going to record as I move cross country. And in the meantime, uh, you can just follow me at Mike Petchy on Instagram or follow in love with the process POD on Instagram. And you'll be able to see pictures and videos and stuff of us making the nine day trip across the country. 
which is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of stress, but super cool. Um, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for following us. Uh, I'm still giving away some props and some stuff in the next couple of weeks before I do the move. So at Mike Petchy at Instagram is the best place to do that. Uh, please sign up for the Audible trial. Uh, and if you want to just donate to us straight up, the easiest way to do so is go to inlovewiththeprocess.com or click the link in our Instagram bio. Um, and there is a PayPal donate button and you can just throw us 10 bucks. Easy peasy. All the money is appreciated. Um, I got some big plans for the new year. Uh, once I'm in LA, I really want to blow this podcast up a bit and make it a little bit bigger. Um, so I don't want to give it away yet, but stand by everybody. Uh, as always, thank you to Code Electro for providing us with some fantastic music. And thank you, everyone listening, for listening. Tell your friends. Tell your folks. I don't know how many times I see a post where people are like, I don't know what kind of podcasts are out there, and I want to get into listening to podcasts. Fucking tell them to listen to and love with the process. Throw it. Cram it down their throats. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening.